New episode of Cop Hate in Your Brain Like a Runaway Train. Hell yeah, from DMT to MDMA. Got all the shit in more so till dawn. We're okay, but anyway, Matt, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah, it's going pretty good. Nice. <laughs> what's crack a lack and what's new? I, uh, you know, just recording another episode of Cop on a, on a, on a nice afternoon. It's uh, a beautiful day outside today. It, it, <laughs> don't make fun of me. And I'm gonna be inside talking about some movie made 40 years <laughs> ago. Nobody talks about it's bullshit. We have a third special guest today. Uh, jalapeno. He's just this little bird. He's a cockatoo. No, he's a cockatoo. He's a budgie. He's a budgie. <laughs> uh, budgies were in Barbarella. Yep, I remember that. And uh, what are we talking about today, though? Talking about fish. <laughs> Keep it down, please. Sorry. There, we have neighbors. All right. Apparently, Flash Gordon. 1980, based on some comic that now I kind of want to read, or it was a serial. I don't. Was it a, like a comic book, or was it in newspapers? I don't really know. I think it was a serial. Okay. Like a comic book. Like I think it was strips. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you've you've ne- you're the comic book guy. No, I never read it. It's uh, it's like golden age stuff. Uh, so I haven't read that. Like I haven't read Buck Rogers either. Or Dick. Uh... Gray or what's his name? Dick Gray. What's his name? The uh, detective. Oh, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. Yeah. No, I haven't seen. I haven't read any Dick Tracy either. Okay. Although I guess um I guess the Dick Tracy movie would, might also fall under the cult category. I think it came out around the same time as what we're reviewing today. They were like, get those golden age comics out there. Yeah, I guess because they were like, uh, and you know what? I was reading reviews of Flash Gordon and. There was a couple of critics who were like, this is just another film in the trend of bringing back something from 50 years ago. Really? Yeah, and giving it a new sheen, and I'm not buying it. They it's were not the even ori- a criticism. They were the original haters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, hey, sometimes you can take a gem from the past. Yep. Make a really good movie. Spin it, flip it. Spin it, flip it, twist it, bop it. What do you think of this movie? I loved it. Why? Why? You, okay, before we get into it... Okay, synopsis time? Yeah, you go for it, buddy. Why do I have to do it? Okay, basically... is over. It's your turn. Okay, so we have this football star, Flash Gordon. Uh, actually, we shouldn't even start there. Earth. Planet Earth. Planet Earth. The final frontier. The movie starts on just a shot of Earth or something like that, and there's this guy, This we see only his hands, he's kind of like a... Doctor, what, what was it? Doctor Claw, uh, from uh, Inspector Gadget. Yeah, is his name? Doc- I think it is Doctor Claw. Or yeah, Claw or something. Um, and he just has a crosshair on Earth, and he, we see all these buttons lined up, and it's just like earthquake, volcano eruption, hot hail, hot hail. I don't know what that one really is. Hail, but it's sizzling hot. And uh, keep it down. Hey. Oh, well. Uh, and um, basically, he's just spamming. He's DDoSing Earth with natural d- disasters. He's hacking. Yeah. Um, and there is this mad scientist sort of character, Dr. Zarkov. And he notices that these are irregular. And he says, man, this can only be happening 
from um, this villain in outer space. And then he's like, okay, my buddy scientist, let's go up and let's, uh, let's go face him uh, or be friends with him or whatever. And the buddy is like, N I'm good. And, and then he, he leaves. And then he leaves. And then Flash Gordon is on a plane with, um, what was her Dale? And what was like? What was her job? Was she just her his boy his girlfriend from the start, or was she a um, reporter? From my understanding, at the beginning of the film, uh, she was. I think he makes a quip about her being a travel agent. I'll double oh yeah, a travel that. agent who doesn't like to fly. Yes, I don't know if they have uh, any prior relationship. I'll uh, look into that right away. But Flash Gordon and her, they're going somewhere, and he is a football all-star. Uh, he goes into the cockpit, and the one of the captains is like, hey, would you mind signing this for my son, uh, Buzz? And I thought he was going to say Buzz Aldrin, and that was going to be a joke. But he, no, it was just like, sign up for my son, Buzz. Um, and then... The pilots disappear, and he's like, okay, don't know really how to fly this thing, and they crash. Where did the guys go? I don't know. <laughs> Where did, what happened to them? I don't know. They just crash into Dr. Zarkov's thing. They go on the ship. They go off to planet Mongo, or what? Yeah, Mongo. Mongo. They meet up with Ming and hijinks ensue, and we'll get into them from there. Yeah. I like the movie. I liked a lot about it. Parts of it, I thought, man, this is what Barbarella wanted to be, but wasn't. But was stinky poo-poo, yeah. Yeah, or mediocre. Um, it's really inventive. Like, the sets in this movie, the costumes are... Like, I, I just love the costumes in this movie. The soundtrack is done by Queen. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard the song before. Um, so, hearing it in the movie, you'll be like, hey. You'll, you'll be familiar if you yeah. see the hit Seth Farland... Seth MacFarlane movie Ted. And that's where I know Flash Gordon from was Ted, because I saw that as a kid and I didn't get the joke. Where one loser and his <laughs> and his teddy bear pal gotta navigate being losers together. <laughs> this summer they're smoking weed and they're going to the sperm donor and they sperm jokes. Everybody laugh. Here we go. Um Fuck Ted. This movie is everything that Okay, I shouldn't say that like that. This movie is faithful to the comic book adaptation. You know, you have your movies now, your Marvel movies, where you go and Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Hulk, they're all the same quippy, sarcastic character. And if you've ever read a comic book before, you're like, man, this is nothing like the characters I know who are extremely intellectual and nerdy and boring. This movie takes these this campy, stupid comic of Bing Bing Wahoo. Uh, like the idea of just a football star going to fight galactic battles is so funny. And they stay truthful to it in the cinematography, in their set pieces, in their dialogue especially. It's great. It is pretty good. I like this movie as well. Um, basically, what you have to understand about this movie is um, it's sort of in the camp style. Yeah. In the sense that it's knowingly silly. Yeah. So it's not quite like um, a Star Wars no. per, per se, where that, you know, you're kind of supposed to be swept up in the drama. That This is very deliberately silly. Um, I mean, you have this guy, this doofus at the center of the movie. I want to talk about the performance from Sam J. Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hilarious. It's hilariously bad, in my opinion. Okay. 
Um, but I love it because he plays kind of, he kind of plays this, uh, blissfully unaware, like kind of dumb character mm -hmm. that sort of bounces from one point to another. Uh, I really love that scene where he's in the courtroom and I don't even know what it is. It looks like a melon. They give him like this melon thing. Uh, and he just, pretends oh it's yeah, football. yeah. It's, and then he's using that. Uh, to simulate these football well, players, yeah. where, and then he's just uh, tackling them, and it doesn't even make sense. It's just a really funny sequence. Um, I actually found out that I looked it up. He actually got um, a nomination for the Golden Raspberries for worst actor for this performance. That's weird. Like I don't find his performance bad, and maybe because like if you if you're going in to see a movie called Flash Gordon about a, a football player yeah. battling Emperor Ming on Planet Mongo. Yeah. Um, you're not there to see a drama. You're not there to see some guy crying and because his girlfriend hates him and his life is so hard. Well, yeah, and, he, he didn't have to be crying. But no, but like he, it's not supposed to be like we're not there for the acting. No one's there for the acting. This isn't The Graduate. This isn't Midnight Cowboy, okay? What? We're fucking there to see a football player do some silly shit in space. And I, and his acting fits that aesthetic. I don't know, because, I mean, it's like... It's just that in the sense that his performance feels is, is deemed bad, because, like, Flash Gordon in this movie is, is not at all a convincing character... Uh, in terms of being like three dimensional, uh, you could argue that's not necessarily the point. Like, it's from a two dimensional comic, Matthew. Uh, yes, I know that, but I mean, he doesn't really add any nuance to the role. There's like no, there's like no emotional depth. His motivation is just, I gotta save the earth because I'm, I'm an all American guy, and I gotta, I'm I gotta like, run in. I gotta kiss the girl. I'm fine with that. Like after being, you know gagged and spoon-fed uh, Marvel movies where it's just like you have a one-set scene where t Tony's wife is pregnant and then she she died. Or for, me, for me, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just like, like... The comfiest movies you can, you can get. People like, you know, <laughs> get off to it. Good movies. And it's just like their acting is fine. Um, and then this is just like, okay, we're back to having fun. This it's guy like has no range. This guy has no range. It's, he's, okay, he's not supposed to. But like his, is his, like, the performance that he's given is not in a sort of like thing where it's like he's playing a character that's unaware. Like he comes off like this is his best attempt at realizing a heroic character's sort of personality, which is just to be... Uh, sort of white bread with maybe a little bit of mayo. Yeah, he's just... Some, maybe some more to do. Matthew, I don't know how to tell you this. Golden Age comics, they weren't emotionally it's not deep. Necessarily They're not emotionally deep. It's not necessarily to the detriment of the film, but it's something worth noting. Because, yeah, the film is... Is me kicking your ass something worth noting? No, <laughs> and I don't... <laughs> it's not something worth noting, and it's not going to happen okay. because we're having a civil discussion about this movie. I'm tired of civil discussions, man. Well, I'm going to kill you for real. Hey, you know what? Then uh, get, you can get somebody else to call. <laughs> Go call Greg Turkington. Go call somebody else. I tried. And they didn't pick up, okay? <laughs> so you better work with what you got. Okay. Uh, some of the other... I like, I like a lot of the character work uh, in this... 
movie, especially there are some pretty good performances. Uh, Max von Sydow, who play, who's been in, I think he was actually in Igmar's, Igmar, Ingmar Bergman's, uh, what's that film called? Not Wild Strawberries, the one in which he, a man plays chess with death. I believe he's in that film. I could be wrong. Okay. But he plays Emperor Ming, I yeah. think. Um, is Ming meant to be Asian? Yeah. Uh, and that guy's white, right? Yeah. He's in <laughs> Asian face. He's in Asian face? Um, I, I, you know what? And that was another great choice. I mean, to keep that. Not necessarily to have Max Monsita, but he does a good performance as Ming. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of having this sort of, because at that time, like in the 30s, you would have these kind of ornum, uh, or quote-unquote oriental yeah. villains yeah. where they're going with their Fu Manchu and going, hmm, I will destroy the Western world or something like that. The same thing that they did with the Martians um, during like the sci-fi era, coincidentally at the same time that the Red Russians were attacking and then these aliens from the Red Planets were attacking. It's the same thing. It is, it is kind of the same thing. Um, they have Ming is a pretty compelling character. He, he just plays a very over-the-top villain, but it's done very convincingly. I enjoyed the performance quite a bit. What about the B villain? I forget what his name was. It's like this guy who kind of looks... He kind of... every He looks like a cross between Doctor Doom, Doom yeah. and Skeletor from the <laughs> Masters of the Universe movie. Yeah. Uh, where he looks really bad. Uh, that guy was whatever. He was just he was just kind of there to be an enforcer and to be like, you will be publicly executed for the honor of his majesty. <laughs> like I find that a lot of like science fiction and fantasy movies, they always had that main villain and the B villain. Like they had yeah. that in the Princess Bride with Humperdinck, and then uh, the Six Fingered Man was his B villain. They had that in Star Wars where it's Darth Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin, and then later the Emperor and Darth Vader. Uh, they do that in Star Trek all the time too. Uh, and you know, I always appreciate that the, the two vill the A and B villain and the A and B heroes. Yeah. And I guess the B hero in this, I don't maybe Baron or Prince Baron. He's or, the B, the B hero, yeah, yeah. He's like the B hero, or, yeah, yeah kind of. And I know, I knew. Or, okay, I guess we should. Do you want to get more into the plot before we? Yeah, sure, we can get into the plot. You go for it. Uh, what what I like about the plot? No, 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 no. Just more about the plot, so people aren't confused when we're just spitballing uh, character names. So basically, Flash, um, Flash, and Dale. Uh, where did you leave off? Flash and they just get they, they go get there the and they go to the Mongo. they go to Ming's palace and 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 Ming says you know what I'm actually gonna make the earth uh, the moon crash to the earth and everyone's yeah. gonna die and they say uh, don't do that please like we just want to be your friend and he's and like he, uh, he's no. like I hate you <laughs> he he's he's played uh, he's depicted as very sadistic yeah he loves he loves to kill uh, so they're like we have to stop this so basically. There's a sub. There's a subplot with this uh, princess named Aura, mm -hmm. Ming's who's, daughter, who is Ming's daughter, and she has a crush on Flash Gordon. Mm -hmm. So while Ming has him executed, she does save his life and attempts to hide him away with Prince Baron. Because they have these like sub planet things on Mongo. They're just like these floating cities everywhere. Yeah, I what? think they said they were like moons. Each yeah, kingdom was a moon. 
but, around Mongo. But they seem to be, like, on the planet still because, like, they're in the clouds or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a really big planet, like Coruscant okay. or okay. something. But, um... When and and then so Princess Aura uh, says Flash Gordon mm-hmm. and she asked Baron to uh, stash him away, which I thought was funny because they're in a relationship, Aura and Baron, and she's like, "Can you actually like keep this guy around because I really I really <laughs> like him?" And Baron's like, "Okay," <laughs> but then he tries to kill Flash, mm-hmm. uh, and while that's happening, you have Dale and. Did we even mention uh, Karnov, is it? Zarkov. Zarkov. Yeah, he gets his memory erased in this scene that I love because they're going to reprogram him and he's just going to be one of their members. Slaves. Slaves. So he's getting his memory erased and it's this great editing moment where you have all these different faces flashing and they'll do something like, I don't know if they use him, but like Winston Churchill and then like a cat and they just like flash back and forth. Do you see that? Yeah, they had some weird imagery where they would like splice. They would flash quickly back and forth between like a picture of a person and then an animal. And it would create this weird effect where they sort of morph together. And then they like they showed Hitler and then that B villain was like, hmm, he had promise. I quite enjoyed I him. Like, why did they show, like, Hitler in that sequence? Because, like, we're going through <laughs> Zarkov's memory. Yeah. It's, it, like, when that happened, I was like, was he there? Like, did yeah, he, has he seen Hitler personally? He's an Operation Paperclip uh, scientist. Well, it's just, that's what I, was, I had to assume, because, like, it's erasing his memory, and, I mean, I guess he knows of Hitler. Yeah. But, I don't know, I thought that, that was a weird decision. But that whole sequence is cool. Mm-hmm. Because it goes like backwards through his life, and also the flashing sequences are are kind of eerie, mm-hmm. and they create a cool effect. Uh, that was an inspired scene, and there's a lot of cool like science fiction e inspired scenes like that. I really yeah. love how everybody has like some weird laser thing to just go yeah to the door, or like the laser guns, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that the producer of this also produced the Barbarella? No. Yeah. So, which makes sense because there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Number one, it's like a space campy space story. Number two, they straight up get the angel wing yep. guys. Yep. The uh, Hawkman. Yeah, and what are they called in uh, Barbarella? Well, there's only that one. Was wasn't he just the one? No, because there was there was the blind guy who I think yeah. his name was Peter. No. It was it wasn't Peter? No. It was something only... with a P, right? I'll check. I don't, when you sent me the file, your audio file is like, this guy rules or whatever. It was a weird name. Pygar. Pygar. That's what it was. Pygar, yeah. So, but no, because Pygar has like his dad. Oh, right. Yeah, they totally, well, we'd have to see who did it first in the comics. I guess. Yeah. But um, I, yeah, I, th- I guess the producer really likes uh, people with uh, crappy angel wings strapped to their back. One thing that this movie did that Barbarella did poorly yeah. is the the scenes when they're flying in space, they're really psychedelic and they pull it off really well. Yeah. Like in Barbarella, like you didn't really know what the fuck you were looking at. It was looking it was like it was so obviously like nothing. Yeah. Like they, it was like straight up whoa, it was like a lava lamp or something. Yeah. Right? So it was not convincing. And in this they're like going through like a sea of flames and they're going through like this wormhole that's like multicolored. It looks like it looks like a kaleidoscope. It looks so great. Yeah. Like all the scenes where they're 
they're flying in space. And there are tons of scenes where, like, I guess they're not in the planet because they're, like, in the moons. But, like, they're flying through the clouds and the, you know, the wind's blowing their hair. Yeah. And, like, the clouds are just, like, caught in candy or, like, rainbow ice cream. It looks great. It does. Yeah. yeah. And the whole thing has, like, a great, um, like, pulp space age aesthetic to mm -hmm. it. They really pulled that off faithfully. That's probably the biggest achievement for me from this film is just the sort of aesthetic in terms of the costuming, the special effects, and some of the sets as well. Um, it's almost... it's It comes off kind of cheesy, but really it's a film that's sort of a technical showcase mm -hmm. uh, of a lot of cool practical effects and special effects as well, uh, which makes it a delight to look at. It's a good-looking movie, in my opinion. Yeah, like, there are so many great costumes in this movie. Like, yeah. everyone, like, hits. Um, like, there's the Hawkmen, and they're, like, their leader is just, like, Santa Claus. He's this big, brown, boastful guy, like, yeah. talking on the top of his voice all the time. And he has these big... There's lots of metal. Like, everything's really metallic. Like, he has big metal wings, and he's wearing, like, Viking armor almost. Yeah. And then, like, Ming is in this huge red illustrious robe with like gold trimming at the beginning of the movie um, Ming has like all of the delegates from different moons coming to give him offerings or whatever yeah. and they the one guy that tries to kill Ming and then gets vaporized I forget what his moon was called but they're all in like pure gold clothing like gold robes I think and, it was Ardentian or something yeah like that. yeah um they look great and then they have like these characters that are like black and white with like white and black robes do you see Deep Roy for some reason he's like someone's yeah a Deep Roy I was like is that Deep Roy the guy that... Zillion or something was his name yeah he just carried the... he's just like pulled by uh, like some rope or chain or something we haven't mentioned it but there is a huge like sexual overtone in this movie no <laughs> yeah no like deep roy is like their weird pet that they're like carrying around um aura is she's just like hitting on she reminded me uh in 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 not only like the way her character is written which is kind of horny yeah for uh, leader horny boys <laughs> not only like that uh, but also, like, in her design uh, and her action, she was kind of like the dark queen from Barbarella. Remember that lady yeah. that you hated the way she talked? Yes, but this lady does it better. I I guess you could say that. I, I would argue she doesn't have as much flair <laughs> as as uh, the character in Barbarella. Mm -hmm. uh, but she's there as, like, a romantic interest or slash rival to Dale, I guess, for flash gordon's affections there's this really funny scene where uh aura is taking him to i i think the planet was it just called like the woodland planet or the woodman planet or? arbor arbor okay and that's where the woodmen live yeah um and then she's like oh i have this telepathy um uh, telephone he's like okay i'll call dale and then he's calling dale talking to her and then while he's doing that uh aura's like just kissing his neck and face and stuff and he's talking to dale and he's like wow this girl's really turning me on and dale's yeah. like what and he's like what and then she's like oh that was weird and he's like yeah and yeah, that's a, that was, there's actually a lot of sharp humor like that in mm -hmm. the film. I wrote some of it down because that line stood out to me because although there is like a kind of campy 
uh, Pope's adventure tone. Sometimes you'll have like these sort of, I guess, more modern era mm-hmm. uh, we skate jokes. You'll have that. There was a funny joke that I like, and it was just a one-off gag. But uh, Prince Baron, as well as uh, Zarkov, are being are chained up in the prison, uh, and they're just chained by their arms. And uh, Baron is like, hmm, tell me more about this Mr. Houdini. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then they get rescued, and they're like, oh, thank you. Uh, There's funny stuff like that peppered throughout the movie, and it's a great way of breaking up uh, just the sort of earnest, uh, like, just heroic stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, the kind of campy dialogue in this film, which this film has a lot of, where everybody is very kind of declaring their intentions very in a very uh literal way yeah yeah with a lot of pageantry um eventually they notice that flash gordon has been um has escaped with aura and ming is like i want to the b villain i should just find his name uh b villain yeah um and ming says to the b villain like find flash gordon and the B villain's kind of like no matter like who it is like I can and I can use whatever force I want. He's like yeah, so he finds Aura, and oh man, what was his name? Uh, was it Flightus? Was it not Flightus? Flightus? Dale Arden, Mingus. Oh, it was definitely Clytus. I'm just gonna call him Clytus, and if we're wrong, Kenny Baker was in this movie. Interesting. That's okay. who. I don't know, it just says dwarf. As a dwarf. Well, Deep War, Deep Royal was the dwarf. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's Clytus. And then Clytus finds Aura, brings her back for torture. And it's another, like, weirdly sexual scene. So she's, like, um, strapped down on a table. And the things holding her down are, like, hands. And then he's whipping her. Yeah. And then, like, he says later on, like, she quite enjoyed it, actually. And, like, there's just a lot of weird sexual overtones. In not as movie. much as... Not weird, Bar- but... Not as much as in Barbarella, where they're yeah. putting her in, in the... The coom, orgasm machine. The machine. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? I still can't believe... I was still blown away that Barbarella was the way that it was. I yeah. did not expect that. Uh, so you get a little bit of that in Flashcore, and I don't know if it's just kind of the style... Uh, I mean, I do know that, like, in Golden Age Wonder Woman comics, they're all about bondage and that kind of thing. Oh, because she had, like, a whip or, her like, lasso or oh, whatever? Yeah, yeah, and also her creator was just kind of a pervert, so... No. Oh. Yeah, so he was, uh... Is that why he made her dummy thick? Yeah, that's so why he made her dummy thick. He, the creator of Wonder Woman had, like, two wives at the same time. Well, who's that guy that's in hot water right now? Uh, Warren Ellis? Yeah. Well, it's not him. No, but that just made me think of him. I had to bring it up. R.I.P. R.I.P. his career. Um, is there anything you don't like about this movie? Because there's a couple things that rub me the wrong way. Nitpicks. You have nitpicks. Yeah. I have two major things, which is, number one, if you're somebody, and this is not, this is a, not much of a critique, you could say, but I think that this won't be a film that'll appeal to people who won't kind of get in on the joke of like we're just sort of making fun of these um, like very elaborate space opera type adventures that we used to had. Mm-hmm. It could come off kind of dull, 
for them. And I think that's due in part to the fact that while there's like some nice sharp jokes throughout the script, some of the dialogue for me comes up as kind of bland just because they have to do it in this uh, like comic book, very accurate way. I'll give you guys a tell you guys a little secret. The writing in older comic books was not fun to read. <laughs> they were really, really bad. Yeah. Um, where characters talk like weird, unnaturally. They're what was just... that uh, thing that you sent me of like Stan Lee's writing for Fantastic Four, and like the writing was just really shit. Do you know what I'm talking? Yeah, about? I I think so. Like okay. where like. Like, Stan Lee wasn't, like, really a gifted writer. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you read old Amazing Spider-Man and the dialogue's probably the weakest part. Also, Stan Lee used to... Jack Kirby used to draw panels of, like, Sue Storm in early Fantastic Four doing, like, things, uh, even though she was a woman. And Stan Lee would have the dialogue be like, oh, I couldn't have done it without Mr. Fantastic. That's what you sent me. Okay. Like yeah. And I was like, okay, buddy. <laughs> So I think that's, I think that, and that's a major, I think that to a degree that's a major problem for me because between a lot of the special effects and all the good costume work and such like that, sometimes the film does drag a little bit uh, when it's not really delving into like an action scene or having kind of like very uh, sort of comedic characters like whoever the leader of the Hawkman is, the big bashful guy. Um, he was, uh, and he's so funny. Like, every time he's on screen, like, he's just so enthusiastic. And he's just like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I found out that uh, apparently there's, a, a, the, like, the famous cult line from this movie. It's his delivery of Gordon's alive. Yeah. Gordon's alive? <laughs> I know that line. And, like, there's so many lines in this movie uh, that I recognize because in the full song for this or maybe it was a remix but i've heard like the the flash gordon song that queen did yeah. and like they do like their guitar so- solos or whatever and the song just goes on and they have like these lines peppered in throughout the song and i know that line because like it was just in oh, that it was song. Sampled in the song yeah like gordon's a line <laughs> uh his prince voltan prince voltan yeah right he's a he also has a throughout the film a kind of rivalry with Prince Baron. Mm-hmm. There's actually kind of a lot going on in this movie, surprisingly. Good world building. It, it does a pretty good job of that. Uh, and I like the Kingdom of Mongo. Yeah. It has cool design to it, and it really does feel like a sort of otherworldly, like, space-age type environment. Yeah, they're, like, straight up on fucking Vulcan. And they have this <laughs> floating golden planet, or uh, castle. It looks awesome. I guess we should talk about the music, and I actually do like the music in yeah. this film. There's the Flash theme, uh, which is which is class, which is just a classic uh, staple of any uh, hard rock fans' uh, library. But the song is actually good, and it's like it's funny because it adds to the tone of the movie. Because Queen, I like Queen, but their music is is like so dramatic, right? Yes, it's very yes. like uh, it's very operatic. They yeah. have like an album called "The Night at the Opera." Yeah, so they want it to be uh, very grandiose. So that fits the tone of the movie. Like when you have the wedding sequence and you have Brian May shredding it on mm-hmm. "Here Comes the Bride," it's like almost funny to listen to, but it's all done very well. It's probably a soundtrack that I'll get all around to listening to, like, just in full, because there's stuff besides the main track that is worth listening to in this movie. They have these great, like, hard synth parts, like, throughout yeah. the movie that adds, like, drama and stuff like that, and I love, 
I loved like the stuff that wasn't the main theme as well. I thought like I have no complaints with the score. The only thing is, um, when you said complaints, I feel like the last quarter or third of the movie starts to drag a little bit and one thing that kind of started to annoy me was they did that dun 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 a lot at the end of the movie i guess it was like to ha- to amp things up because it was the climax but but you do that for like five minutes they did it for maybe like 20 and like that kind of got annoying a little i suppose a big selling point for the movie was the queen music because yeah. this would have been like uh, when did Bohemian like Rhapsody? I think A Night at the Opera, which has Bohemian Rhapsody, came out in, like seventy five. Mm-hmm. So they would have been huge. Would have been like having Bieber. But did in the you, next Star Wars? The the music was com- composed and produced by Queen, so they were like doing this on their dollar, or they were. I like. I don't know if they did it like for free or, but it said like in the in the title, like music composed. They, Something they may else have, they, produced they may have done the production, but they didn't necessarily fund it. Like, they still may Isn't it. production funding it? Well, the production is, like, like, the mastering, like, the mixing, stuff like that. Okay. So, like, you know, like... Let's get a quick fact check on this, but you can... You keep going. But the, I, I like the music a lot, and this is pretty good. Um... I would have liked to have more, like, just of the heavy rock kind of shred sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a nice way to, like, it almost, like, modernizes the film in a sense. Because, you know, although you didn't have that kind of hard rock in the 30s, it, it is definitely something that, would, that suits the mood of the film. I went to the soundtrack portion on the Wikipedia page. It didn't say anything about, um, like, if they how much they got paid for it. And the additional orchestral score pieces were composed by Howard Blake. Yeah, I was going to say we should credit um, yeah. the person who does the orchestral score, which is that guy, Howard Blake. Yeah, and that I love all that stuff too. That stuff was was really great. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing how much they, they paid Queen. Oh, well, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, one other thing that they do... Well, in this movie, like like I said, the world building, they have all these different factions, and you kind of get a little glimpse of their societies, not a ton, but then they have, like, these other weird, like, one-off aliens, I guess? Like, in Ming's Palace, they have these, like, fully covered red um, guards. They look like a cross between the Imperial Guards in Star Wars and the Pyro from TF2. Yeah. They... And when they get killed, they make like this weird pig squealing noise when they die. There's also like this uh, woman who is sort of a commander. She's, uh, I think, does communications or yeah. something. Uh, she gets shot towards the end of the film and then she like liquefies. She liquefies into like this black goop. And yeah. It's just like it's just pouring out of her her bodysuit or whatever. And then it, she's like communications and security, I guess, because she's in charge of these guys. We just see them wearing glasses and they're just kind of like watching this security cameras at all time, just feeding into their brain. And at one point um, I think it was maybe Baron or someone rips off the glasses from their face, and then you see like their eye sockets are just wires and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, ah! And then the one guy dies, and then all of them die. That was like really weird and just like out of the blue, but I, I still liked it. Yeah, they definitely took care to uh, kind of do a little bit more science fiction in comparison to something like Barbarella, mm-hmm. where there wasn't. Any. 
any science fiction it was just the coom machine <laughs> and then like like it was like a mix, a weird mix of mythology and like what, and there wasn't it wasn't a science fiction film except for when they're when they're taking bong rips from with a human inside in the bowl, yeah, and shit. Uh, but Flash Gordon definitely succeeds in that regard, and and you're right, it kind of works. If we have to compare it to Barbarella as like something, what Barbarella should have been, mm-hmm. which is like. A rompy space adventure um, with heart and a little bit of the wink, wink, nod, nod to go along with the silliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, you get a pretty, pretty good movie. Aside, I think, from just the small stuff I have with maybe like a bit too much commitment, maybe to the Comics? camp aesthetic. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that, if lessened, would have been uh, better for the movie it would have perhaps made like given a little bit of emotional attachment to the character because like you're almost watching this and you kind of know like flash is just gonna win at the end of the day yeah i mean but there's no like it's crazy suspense suspense. yeah Yeah. i mean this man is wearing a shirt with his name on it (laughs) and that's another thing that makes him look like a neanderthal in the film (laughs) he's wearing like this white ringer shirt and just says flash on it um do you know what my favorite scene is in this movie uh, the scene where Flash uh, says, "I'm gonna crash. I'm gonna crash the plane. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few." No, but that was a good scene. It's after. I'm just gonna say it. Surprise, surprise! Flash wins. They defeat Ming. He uh, kind of as like a Chekhov's gun. He is a Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Yeah. He crashes the plane again into the building, uh, disrupting the wedding, and he stabs um, Ming through the through his chest, and his blood is green like Vulcans or on planet Vulcan. Um, and then um, this robot, which we see, is this just like this floating orb? It reminded me of the uh, the probe machine from Star Wars seventy seven. I think that's what it's called. Just the the mind probe. Something. Oh, you did probe. Which oh, from seventy seven? Yeah, remember when they first get Leia and yeah, it's mind probe. It's like that black thing that comes into her cell and it has like a little needle on the oh, side. Yeah. It was like the mind probe. Yeah, there's this little golden mind probe machine that has like spikes sticking out of it. Um, and he just goes up to Flash Gordon and he's like, "Congratulations, you have won. You saved the day." And then we see it from like its point of view, and then Flash just jumps up at it and he goes, "Yes!" And it's a freeze frame. It's a freeze frame for a I, minute. I love that. That was so funny. That was a great. That was a great cap to the film. And then you have like a little sequence after that of them celebrating. You have the seventy-seven ending. Yeah, where yeah. they're and then I think uh, the Hawkman spell thanks Flash. Yes. In the sky. And that's just a classic moment. It's hard not to get uh, into a feel-good mood when you watch this movie. It's an easy watch. It's a very easy watch. It's a pretty simple story. Uh, I, maybe if you were a little intoxicated, it would be even a little better. Whoa, so, we uh, don't condone all it. I'm, hey, all hey, I'm saying. No, 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 no. No way. We don't condone that kind of thing. Hey, that's all I'm saying. Just say no. Always. Winners don't watch Flash Gordon. Yeah, they don't. And they don't uh, do drugs either. Um, uh, there's something else I was going to say, but if you have some... Oh, shit. Um, if you've watched Rocky Horror Picture Show... 
I have not. There's an opening song in it called Science Fiction Double Feature. It's my favorite song off the movie. And they mention Flash Gordon was there in silver underwear. That's the line in the song. Um, and in that movie, there's a character named Riff Raff. And the guy who plays Riff Raff is also in Flash Gordon. Oh, really? Yeah. He plays one of the woodmen. You wouldn't recognize him. Uh, but there was like Baron and there was like another guy. He was the other guy. Yeah, we. I I guess I forgot to talk about uh, Timothy Dalton in this movie. Yeah, he's Bond, of course, and he's also in the better role in Hot Fuzz. Yes, as uh, what's Skinner. His? Skinner. Yeah, um, he's all right in this. He kind of he's kind of he plays kind of like a stock princely character, who yeah, who's into you know delegation and and chivalry and he's kind of boring in it there's honest. one really weird line that caitlin and i laughed at while watching this where he's talking with aura and i forget what she says she just says something really simple and then he just says lying bitch she's like i'll go she's like head back to our war i'll be there yeah. shortly and he says lying bitch and i was like, <laughs> okay. like i feel okay. like that's the only swear i remember from the movie too yeah, and I was like, hmm. I don't know if this was like some kind of joke about the attitude towards women and this older stuff. Uh, it was so funny. It was, it was a bit strange. Yeah. yeah. I love that line. But I like his character. There's a, there's a really good fight scene. I don't know if you liked it. I do like the fight scenes in this movie. I think all, there's like a few of them. Like the football scene is great. There's a scene where Dale is escaping, and she does, like, a flip at one point, mm -hmm. which was definitely a tongue-in-cheek little joke there, uh, because she's supposed to be a travel agent. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the fight that I have with the whips on the tilting platform. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Those are all actually pretty good. They kind of channeled the same energy as, like, a Kirk fighting Gorn sort of deal. Oh, yeah. Where it's very, where it's, like, very dramatic kind of... Ah, ah. Yeah, and like the fights are just like not what a fight would look like. But they're entertaining nonetheless yeah. to watch. Uh, and to me, that's like where some of the moments where the movies shine when you're just kind of swept, when it's just kind of some swashbuckling action and you just kind of watch it and have a good laugh. Mm -hmm. And uh, a little bit of thrills to go with your popcorn. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, I don't like. It's another one of those movies, I mean, we, we've talked about a lot, but, like, the stuff that I really love about the movies are, like, the set pieces and the costumes and stuff, and for that, I, you just have to watch the movie for it to do any justice. Me sitting here explaining it is not going to sound as cool as they look, but when I was watching this movie, as soon as I saw the sets, I said, like, oh, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that looks so good. What, like... They got good stuff. I wonder what the budget was for this film. Yeah. Uh, especially given that they... I'm going to have to check, actually. There's this one huge door. It's, like, black and red striped, and, like, it opens up in a really elaborate way. That looks sweet. And then in Ming's palace, he has these huge statues of his, like, head in the corner. Oh, yeah. Like, it, that's expensive. This uh, had a rather large budget. Uh, <laughs> Wikipedia has for budget $20 million or $27 million. Okay. So one of those two numbers. Um one number being, of course, seven million more than the other. I'm not really sure where those unaccounted seven million went. If 
that is the case. <laughs> but uh, and it made like it only made its budget. It box office is either fifteen million or twenty seven million. So either of those two numbers. So they either made a lot of money, uh, or they didn't. And in fact, or they lost money. So depends on who you ask. That's crazy. Like who wasn't seeing this movie? And I guess I want to do a little bit of a meta, uh, not meta, but just outside the movie. Um, we have to talk about the Star Wars situation. What are you, what, what are you talking? <laughs> so, George Lucas wanted to make fl a Flash Gordon movie. He loved Flash Gordon serials. He loved old sci-fi campy strips and shows. And he wanted to make this movie. And he went to whoever owned the rights. And he's like, can I make this? And they're like, no. And he was like, okay. Uh, and he was really beat up about it. And he's like, I'm going to make my own Flash Gordon. That was his words to... Francis Ford Coppola, I'm pretty sure. And then he made Star Wars. And while watching this movie, knowing that, going in, I was trying to think, like, is there anything... And obviously this movie isn't the strips, and this movie isn't everything that Flash Gordon is. Yeah. So there's stuff that he probably took inspiration from in the strips so or wasn't in this movie. Yeah. But I was watching this thinking, like, what comparisons are there to Star Wars? Not many. Like, there's, like, Ming and Darth Vader, I guess, if you want to say that. Yeah. And, but, like, they're not even the same character at all. I, I guess, like, Ming would be more comparable to, like, the Emperor. Just, like, just... I guess there's the evil Emperor um, is just kind of a staple of, like, sci-fi. A serial stuff where you just have the, the one character fight off the king of whatever mm -hmm. so i guess it's like kind of like that and then like flash gordon is like the bushy-haired football player and and like i get luke is like the bushy-haired farmer yeah and it's like campy that this farm boy who just farms moisture on a desert planet you know saves the universe yeah um and there's that but like other than that there's like nothing similar between the two the ships are different the look is different it's not the same at all it is uh it's it's interesting that I guess you could say that they the inspiration for both of these are kind of similar and that George Lucas was inspired by Flash Gordon I guess to do Star Wars mm -hmm. and you can see some of it but you're right that they uh, they're pretty different in terms of aesthetic and tone uh, so I think George Lucas would have succeeded in creating something with the originality of Flash Gordon so I think he I think he did he did good there are a few I'll show you after we're done recording, because we can't really do clips right now, unfortunately. Yeah. But there are two sound bites in this movie, and they sound identical to sounds in Star Wars, which is weird. One is, like, these little gremlins who come and, like, prepare Flash Gordon's grave, yeah. or his tomb or whatever. And the tomb's almost so funny. I forget what it said. It was, like, Flash Gordon died or it, something it said like flash gordon executed in public yeah that's what it was and they used his logo yes they stylized it which is a big honor to give to this guy that they were using <laughs> as an example um there are these little mouse people that just like run out of their holes to like make his tomb and then when people come in they just scurry back into their holes yeah they have the exact same sounds that the ugnots have in empire only a nerd would recognize it. The Ugnaughts. Are those the pig people? Yeah, on Be uh, Vespin, on Cloud City. Classic. And um, also the the red like pig people that I talked about, well, like they have that weird pig sound. 
they sound exactly the same. This would have came after, so maybe it was inspired from this. They sound like the Gamorian guards from Jabba's palace. I wonder if they're just some sample library they're taking this from. I don't like, know. Where, is the Wilhelm Helm scheme originally from Star Wars? No, it's from like this uh, Western or something. Right, so maybe it's kind of that thing where they just took like... Because, I mean, this movie came out the same year as Empire, yeah. so there's a chance. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. I enjoy this movie. There's, like, nitpicky things where it kind of, like, drags at the end, and, like, the theme, like, that bass line does get annoying when they start to overuse it. Um, some shots, like, the special effects shots don't look so great. I mean, some of that is, like, deliberate, like, when the Hawkman fall from the sky looks absolutely yes. atrocious. Die! But, it, but it's, it's kind of funny yeah. in that regard, so I kind of excuse, I excuse any shoddy special effect would work here. Yeah, but, like... Like, I wouldn't say, like, that shot's bad, so, like, this movie's a six or whatever. It's just, like, so many little nitpicks that will, like, bring it yeah. down. Um, but, like, overall, like, I just, like, I'll, wa I'll buy this movie. Yeah, I would, I'll definitely rewatch it. It's uh, worth checking out. Um, it's just might not be for everybody, I think. Totally. This is definitely something that caters to us, and I can see why it has a cult following. Um because you're taking this classic property and you're doing a kind of homage, kind of self-parody of it. Uh, it's a good experience overall, but, you know, maybe don't. This is not one for date night, maybe, I got to say. Yeah. That might not go over well. Um, also, last thing, it was just funny that they also had these, like, basically red shirt lizard people in the movie shit. one of the funniest things in this movie and i totally forgot was they're like walking and they're like lizard man you think you can escape like and that he, gold probe yeah and yeah. and he's like ah and then the, <laughs> the thing vaporizes lizard man <laughs> i was like lizard man no and then the same thing when flash gordon is being killed by baron and he's like they're just lowering him in this cage there's in lizard swamp. men this in there. Lizard they're like man. ah they just hate these lizard people. The lizardmen are like the droids in, of Flash yes. Gordon, where they're just treated like crap because we're, I guess they're subhuman. I don't really know what that means. And their design is so weird because it's like this lizard man, right? This biped lizard. And then they have their mouth open. But then if you look inside their mouth, like it's like eyes. It's just a guy in there. Like his eyes are just in the mouth. And it's like, what the fuck? It's like, it's tricky. <laughs> It's, uh, there's a lot of good stuff like that, and it's just, it's hard for it not to put a smile on your face. Yeah. So this, this one was, uh, definitely worth checking out. Yeah. You want to go to bags? Yeah. All right, how many bags? Nine. Nine bags? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I can respect that. I'm going to give this one four. Okay. Four bags out of five, arguably the new three bags <laughs> out of five. Good movie. Um, watch it if you want, or don't. We're going to wrap this one up quickly because we have shit to do. Uh, yeah, and I'm kind of tired. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> um, next week, we chose Samurai Cop 2. Week after that, did you have anything that you wanted to do? Uh, not particularly. I have a couple of things I could pick. Okay, do you want to pick one? Sure, let's do, uh, let's do Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal? Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, after Samurai Cop 2, we'll do Heavy Metal. If you're listening to this on umfm.com, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. That's it. Sorry. Until another streaming service comes up, we'll get on that one too. 
we have an Instagram. It's Cop Podcast, all one word. Uh, we basically just upload little snippet reviews on there and let you know what's coming out next. Uh, until next time, drink water, have a shower, eat food. See you later. See ya.